Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from Indianapolis. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, September 3rd, 2023, and I'm with you for a few minutes today to give you my observations from Ohio State's somewhat disappointing and at times frustrating, but also pretty encouraging 23-3 season opening win over the Indiana Hoosiers in Bloomington yesterday. Now, I was there. It was blazing hot, just under 90 degrees a kick. Memorial Stadium was about at capacity, thanks to the throngs of Ohio State fans who made the trip. Uh, Pretty nice environment for an opening day. Uh, Really enjoyed myself and uh, actually really enjoyed Memorial Stadium. Uh, (laughs) You know, unlike Ohio Stadium for a season opener, it was actually pretty easy to get concessions. It was easy to use the bathroom. The only complaint I had was just, you know, the 90 degrees heat, the unrelenting sun. If I had it to do all over again, I would I would have sat on the home side of the stadium because they actually got a lot of shade over there. We were getting pounded by the unrelenting sun over on the visitor's side. But anyway, I digress. Now, we did not see the extended quarterback competition in this game that we were all promised. Kyle McCord got the lion's share of the snaps. He finished the day 20 of 33 for 239 yards, no touchdowns and one interception. Devin Brown only got one series while the outcome was still in doubt. He ended the game with 6.09 to play in the first half and the Buckeyes leading 7-3. to Ohio State went three and out on that series. Brown was dumped for a three-yard loss on third and one, and Ohio State would have to punt the ball back to the Hoosiers. Brown would get only one more series, and that was at garbage time late in the fourth quarter. He finished the day one of three for negative two yards passing and with one rush for minus three yards. So, you know, a total output of negative five yards from Brown. He didn't get a ton of opportunities, but far from the impact I'm sure he was hoping to make in this game. Now, the game started well for the Buckeye offense with an 11-play, 80-yard drive capped by a seven-yard touchdown run by Mayan Williams. That was the first of two touchdown runs by Williams in this game. But after that, the offense seemed to lose its rhythm, and I personally think several failures in short yardage situations were the culprit. Now, the Buckeyes would go three and out on two of their next three possessions, And on the third of those possessions, after a promising drive down to the Indiana 29-yard line, Kyle McCord would be intercepted on fourth and two by IU defensive back Philip Dunham. Now, McCord's primary target on the play was Trainum. Trainum was tripped by an IU defender and fell down. Now, McCord tried to improvise and committed the absolute cardinal sin of throwing across his body into traffic. And uh, that allowed Dunham to, to make a pretty easy interception. Now, Ohio State was in that fourth down situation because Mayan Williams was stuffed for no gain on third and two. The same thing happened to Trey Henderson on third and two from the Indiana 34 on Ohio State's opening drive. But the Buckeyes were able to convert on fourth down in that situation. McCord hit G. Scott Jr. in the flat for 10 yards to keep the chains moving uh, in that situation. But Look, the failures in short yardage situations reared their ugly head once again for the Buckeyes in this game. Now, sitting in the stands, you know, really without the benefit of replay after every down, it was actually a little annoying. They just weren't consistently showing us replays in the stadium. You know, it was hard for me to tell what happened on those plays. 
It, I did see a lot of folks on Twitter complaining about the offensive line, Josh Simmons in particular. But to me, it seemed everyone in the stadium knew where the ball was going in those short yardage situations, including, of course, the IU defense, which was loaded up against the run. Ohio State was only two of 12 on third down yesterday. And I wonder if maybe Ryan Day was a little too predictable in some of those short yardage situations because, I mean, the IU defense had those plays diagnosed and they ate them up. And we've seen this as an issue for Day in the past. He likes to run into the boundary a lot and the whole world seems to know it. Um, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, pretend to be an expert on offensive line play. Um, and if the Bill Landis's of the world are going to say the line was not good enough yesterday, I'm going to take them at their word. But I also think maybe Day's predictable tendencies in the run game were at least partially responsible. I listened to Bill and Doug Le Maurice on their post-game podcast, and they both agreed, look, the offensive line was not great. And I think that's what our eyes probably told us as well. But neither Bill or Doug really kind of deviated from their preseason takes on the offensive line either. I mean, Doug has been in full panic mode about Josh Simmons starting at left tackle, you know, since the preseason. And I've, I've expressed my concerns about that situation during the offseason as well. And the bill has been more open to the new starters kind of working out. And uh, he said on their postgame pod that he's not even close to panicking yet. And I, I think I trust Bill's take on the O-line more than I do Doug's. Bill is kind of my canary in the coal mine, and I'm going to take my cues from him as far as the offensive line is concerned. You know, look, it was a road opener against the Big Ten opponent with three new starters on the offensive line. I personally wasn't that surprised that the that the line struggled. Uh, it seemed reasonable to me that there would be some struggles there. I'm looking at the run blocking grades on PFF for the starting offensive line, and they validate what we saw yesterday, especially in the first half. Left tackle Josh Simmons graded out at 55.8 in run blocking, according to PFF. Donovan Jackson was all the way down at 46.8. That was a bit of a surprise. Carson Hintzman, 72.1. He was pretty solid. Matthew Jones at right guard, 56.8. And Josh Fryer, 60.7. Now, I thought the starting unit was much better in pass protection, especially in the second half. And I think they looked a little better run blocking in the second half as well. But... Look, if we believe in those PFF grades, there is some work to be done there by Justin Fry and the offensive line, Donovan Jackson in particular. Again, I was surprised to see him with by far the worst run blocking grade, 46.8 of the starters. You know, Jackson is, by all accounts, their most gifted offensive lineman. Uh, but, you know, maybe uh, that grade is also a product playing next to a first-time starter at left tackle in Simmons. I don't know, but clearly – Room for improvement there for everybody along the offensive line, including Jackson. So back to the quarterbacks, then I quickly want to talk about the position where I think there could be a real controversy. Uh, from what I saw, and I know Ryan Day said in the postgame that he had intended to get Devin Brown more snaps. This is Kyle McCord's team. Now, you know, McCord is not a finished product. Clearly, we saw that. Um but, you know, from what I saw yesterday, I have to wonder if the competition between McCord and Brown during fall camp was not as close as we were led to believe. And I'm wondering, as, as I say this, you know, was was that was the, the competition kind of a, a ruse just to keep, you know, the loser of the competition, in this case, Devin Brown, I think, from transferring out. 
Now, look, I, I thought McCord was solid. Uh, he had a few throws that I'm sure he'd like to have back, the interception in particular. He also had a bunch of nice throws, though. The 49-yarder down the seam to Stover was a great throw. The 27-yarder over the middle to Julian Fleming, another good throw. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, he hit Mayan Williams on a really nice wheel route for 12 yards on fourth and nine to set the Buckeyes up at the IU five-yard line. And I thought his touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. that was waved off because Harrison Jr. had stepped out of bounds and was flagged for illegal touching. I thought that was a nice throw. Um, I thought he had another nice throw down uh, earlier in the game down to the IU two-yard line that was dropped by Carnell Tate. Now, to be fair, Tate took a pretty good pop on the play from the IU defensive back. But, you know, that's a play we expect Tate to make. And, you know, I think he'll make it the next time. But look, I mean, I think if Harrison Jr. doesn't step out of bounds and Tate finds a way to hang on to that football, we could have a pretty different view of McCord's performance yesterday. I'm going to grade McCord at maybe a, a low B, maybe a B minus. Um, but I think there was a lot for him to build on. And I think he's only going to, he's only going to get better. But I'm here to tell you that the, the quarterback competition, and I'm using air quotes, uh, looks like it's over. And, and I think McCord's the guy. I also thought Ryan Day called a pretty conservative game and and didn't really allow McCord to rip it. Um, you know, Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka were criminally underutilized yesterday. Two catches for 18 yards and only six targets for Harrison Jr. Three catches for 16 yards and only four targets for Egbuka. Julian Fleming led all receivers with six receptions. Cade Stober led the Buckeyes in receiving yards with 98. It was a weird day, I think, all around throwing the football. And, you know... Was that totally unexpected with a new starter or quarterback? Probably not. I expect we'll see Ryan Day be a lot more intentional about manufacturing opportunities for Harrison Jr. and Nick Buka, you know, getting them more touches over these next couple of weeks. Now, where I think the offense has a real competition is at running back. Now, there was a lot of positive buzz around Trey Henderson during the offseason. We know he's coming off a really rough 2022 where he was injured, banged up. A lot of buzz around the Woody, uh, uh, around Henderson, some negative buzz that is during the offseason. Um, you know, not everybody in the building believed that Henderson was truly hurt, it sounds like. And uh, it's rumored that Henderson considered transferring. But uh, by all accounts, he had a great fall camp. And when Ryan Day talked about the running backs during camp, you know, Henderson was in a class by himself. And the rest of the backs were almost an afterthought. I mean, Day would kind of group them together after Henderson. Now, Henderson had a nice 19-yard run on third and three on Ohio State's opening scoring drive. And then a 13-yard run on Ohio State's third possession of the game. But after that, Henderson was largely ineffective and consistently stuffed for short gains. I, I don't think he had a, a run longer than six yards after that 13-yard run on Ohio State's third possession. You know, as he has throughout his career, Henderson once again seemed to have trouble with his vision and finding the hole. Now, Henderson was replaced after Ohio State's first possession of the third quarter by Chip Trainum, who immediately ignited the running game. Trainum had runs of 14, 12, 9, and 9 on a six-play, 88-yard touchdown drive that put the Buckeyes up 20-3, to and really that drive sealed the game. And, you know, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure Henderson did not get another snap the rest of the way. 
uh, you know, after that first possession of the third quarter, only 47 yards on 12 carries for Henderson. That's 3.9 yards per carry. Trainum, meanwhile, finished with 57 yards on only eight carries. That's 7.1 yards per carry. You know, Trainum always seemed to find the hole. And when he was in there, the offensive line suddenly didn't didn't seem to struggle uh, in opening up holes, you know, with Trainum carrying the ball. So, look, we remember Trainum was really good against Michigan last year as well. And I have to ask, after what I watched yesterday, is he Ohio State's best running back? And should it be Trainum and Williams as the one-two punch in the running game and not Henderson and Williams? I mean, I'm trying really hard not to overreact here, and I want to be fair to Henderson, but I feel like there's mounting evidence going all the way back to 2021 that Henderson just doesn't have the consistent vision and the ability to run north-south required to be RB1 at Ohio State. You know, we saw a fair amount of that his freshman year. We saw it last year, and we blamed the offensive lines. We blamed his injuries. I, I just wonder if it's time to admit to ourselves that there are just some limitations there. Henderson is who he is at this stage, and he just can't fight the compulsion to try to turn every carry into a 60-yard touchdown. I, I just think, you know, there's too much chucking and jiving and pitter-patter at the line of scrimmage. We saw it again yesterday. Now, I still believe there's a role for him in this offense, but maybe it should be more as a pass catcher out of the backfield, say on third down, you know, get him out into space and let him do his thing there and take, take advantage of his home run hitting ability in those situations. But, you know, I just didn't think it was a great look for Henderson. You're on the road against a big 10 opponent in a close game and he gets benched after one series in the third quarter and the coaching staff seemed way more comfortable with Trainum and for good reason, but they were also more comfortable with Mayan Williams, who is not completely healthy right now. He's dealing with a lower leg injury uh, from training camp at some point, probably an ankle. So, you know, suffice to say, not a great day for Henderson. I mean, short of another injury himself, I'd say it was probably a worst case scenario for him yesterday in Bloomington. And I wonder how much more patience Day and Alford are going to have with the situation. It's imperative. Ohio State has to be able to run the football this season. They have to. You know, new quarterback, three new starters on the offensive line. The offensive, the strength of the offensive line is likely going to be in between the tackles. Um, the running back situation is going to be very interesting to watch over these next few weeks. Okay, let's flip over to the defense. Now, I think it's hard to make a complete evaluation on that side of the ball because I don't think Indiana made much of an effort to do anything offensively. They took advantage of the new running clock and they ran the play clock all the way down to two or three seconds before every snap. It's a little frustrating to watch, to be honest. I mean, they, the, the Hoosiers barely took any shots downfield. Uh, on, on his podcast, Dougley Maurice was apoplectic about the way Tom Allen coached this game. He said all Allen really seemed to care about was making sure Ohio State didn't cover the spread. Uh, Le Maurice thinks Allen should be fined for the by the Big Ten for not even trying to win this football game on offense. <laughs> now, you know, while I can't disagree with with, with that uh, with that premise, I, I am going to give the Ohio State defense a little more credit than that. Now, only 153 yards of total offense for the Hoosiers, only 2.89 yards per play, only 2.2 yards per carry for IU in the run game. Um, the Buckeyes finished with six tackles for loss, two sacks, one by Jaden McKenzie, the other by Hero Canoe. 
Uh, I would have liked to see more splash plays out of the defense. You know, they didn't force any turnovers, but I was happy that Jim Knowles didn't take any foolish risks chasing those kinds of plays as he has done before, you know, against a hapless IU offense. Don't give them any cheapies, right, by by being over aggressive and, and giving them opportunities for explosive plays. Now, I really appreciated the interior of the defensive line yesterday. I thought all of the all those kids played very, very well. And if you look at the PFF grades, Jaden McKenzie, Mike Hall Jr., Hero Canoe, Ty Hamilton, and Tyleek Williams were five of Ohio State's 10 highest graded defensive players. I also thought JT Tui Molowau played very well. Now, he didn't get a lot of opportunities to get after the quarterback with the ultra-conservative approach uh, that IU took on offense. Uh, I was also intrigued by the Rushman package. Caden Curry, the sophomore coming in and actually playing on the interior with uh, with uh, Tui Molowau and Sawyer on the outside uh, at end and uh, Curry playing alongside Mike Hall Jr. in that Rushman package. Very interesting. You know, not a ton of opportunities for the Rushman package again with, with the way Indiana played offense, but um, – very intriguing, and I'm looking forward to to seeing how the Rushman package plays against, you know, offenses that are really going to challenge them throwing the football. Um, I was surprised to see Josh Proctor taking the field with the starting defense as the adjuster. Now, we had heard that Jihad Carter was dealing with an injury in fall camp. He was in uniform yesterday, Carter was, but he did not play. And we also heard that freshman Malik Hartford was making a push for playing time at the adjuster. Now, Hartford did see some action and made a nice open field tackle on third down to force an IU punt. This was in the second half. Hartford also had a nice pass breakup. He almost intercepted the ball, actually. Proctor ended up playing 30 snaps at the adjuster. Hartford played 25. But I think Proctor got most of the snaps when the game was still in doubt. Clearly, you know, the coaching staff wanted to go with Proctor, the veteran. Um, but Hartford did finish with the better PFF grade, 71.8 to Proctor, 65.8. And I think if and when Carter, Jihad Carter is healthy, he's going to factor in an adjuster. I tend to think he might end up being the starter by the end of the season, but I certainly wouldn't count out Carter either. I think he's going to factor in at that position as well. Uh, maybe that he's part of a rotation there. So again, you know, it's hard to make any firm conclusions because of the limitations of the IU defense, the approach they took, pardon me, uh, the limitations of the IU offense and the approach they took, very conservative, stayed mostly on the ground. But just going off the eye test, I thought the Ohio State secondary looked vastly improved. More size, length, more speed than a year ago. I think Sonny Styles and Davison Igbenosan have elevated the play of that secondary. No, Igbenosan did have the pass interference call on fourth down. That was pretty bad, but I really like the way he played the run. Igbenosan is not afraid to stick his nose in there, and I thought he actually tackled very well um, as well. He actually finished with the defense's highest PFF grade for tackling yesterday, 79.6. Right behind him, though, was Malik Hartford at 79. Um, I also liked what I saw from Denzel Burke uh, and Jordan Hancock. Uh, Burke was credited with two pass breakups, and Hancock led the secondary in coverage with a PFF grade of 72 in that area. But guess who was right behind him? Malik Hartford, uh, second on uh, among secondary players in coverage. It, it's a name we keep hearing, Malik Hartford. 
And again, he is going to be a factor this year at the adjuster for that Ohio State secondary. Now, the secondary is going to see much tougher tests starting in two weeks with Western Kentucky. And we're going to find out then if they can really cover. But the few early returns that we saw yesterday were pretty positive. So, look, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping for a lot more than 23 points from the offense. Uh, they left some points on the field for sure. Uh, there were several times McCord opted for the quick check down and missed some receivers coming open downfield. Uh, you know, in that red zone situation, McCord on the keeper missed a, an open hole, I think, on the right side. It should have been a, a walk-in touchdown, and he was taken down short of the goal line. So Buckeyes definitely left some points on the field. And, you know, the, the offensive line had their shaky moments, as I mentioned. And in and again, as I mentioned, Ryan Day called a pretty conservative game, maybe because he had a new quarterback and he didn't completely trust the offensive line. Um. So if we look at yesterday's performance through the lens of was it good enough to beat a Penn State or a Michigan? No, I don't think that we can say it was. Uh, McCord has to get better. The offensive line has to be much better. But it was a 20-point win in a road season opener against a Big Ten opponent, and I'll take it. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Look for a Youngstown State preview pod from Paige, Chad, and myself, likely on Thursday. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.